Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Kim McGuire, host of the Practice Mastery Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with my longtime friend, coach, and mentor, the CEO of Fortune Management, Bernie Stoltz. In this episode, Bernie and I discuss the changes that are going on in the dental industry and what dentists can do to not only survive, but really thrive. Bernie and all the coaches at Fortune are passionate about culture, leadership, and teamwork, and we generally work with some pretty high-quality dental practices. This episode, though, is more about the strategies that you can implement to remain a profitable, successful private practice and business owner. I know you'll love Bernie's insight as we begin this new year. And now here's my conversation with Bernie. Welcome, everyone, to the Practice Mastery Podcast. I'm excited to have our CEO and fearless leader with me today, Bernie Stoltz. Welcome, Bernie. Good morning, Kim. It's been a while since we did one of these together, hasn't it? I know. I'm so excited. It's a new year and a new set of episodes, and I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Good to be with you this morning. Great. Well, today I wanted to get your thoughts on really the industry, the dental industry, and where we're moving towards and sort of what role Fortune plays in that. So tell us, what's going on with Fortune Management these days? Well, a lot of exciting things. We continue, Fortune Management continues to be the leading and the largest executive coaching and practice management company in the country for dentists and their teams. And I think that not that we're completely out of this COVID era, so to speak, but I think that we are hopefully on the tail end. And Fortune, I'm I'm so proud of over these last almost two years, uh, how our company was able to step up and help dentists all over the country, whether it was the 12-week recovery program, or just being able to to have them bounce back. And happy to say that our clients are all alive and well and and thriving if they took all of our advice. So that's really cool. And of course, you know, Fortune has at this point probably about 130 executive coaches in about 90 markets throughout the United States. And all of them are boots on the ground, but they're also virtual. So What's nice about that is is that uh, we never missed a step as far as supporting our clients because we were kind of built for this. We were built for this 30 years ago to work virtual and be able to, to support the clients in office as well. So that's cool. What's new at Fortune, a whole bunch of stuff is new. I'm really excited about the complete comprehensive rollout of our online education, which is Practice Playbook. That is going to be a resource for not just our coaches, but obviously all the teams around the country. So online learning, especially, you know, post-COVID is even more important. So we've got that platform all set up. I'm also really, really proud and excited of all the work that you guys on the leadership team have done with re-engineering our whole training university system into a series now of 10 one-day camps. Uh, very user-friendly. They're delivered in cities all over America by our coaches and a lot of new content in that too. It's not just a makeover of our 30-year program. So 
as you know, Kim, our commitment and fortune is Kenai, right? Constant and never ending improvement. And the profession's changed, right? So we need to change with it. So excited about that. Excited about some of our other divisions that continue to grow. Our new dentist startup division and young dentist program. Uh, we need that more than ever. There's so many young dentists coming out of dental school today and, and contemplating whether they're going to go into private practice, work as an associate, or kind of get gobbled up by a DSO, you know, and so we need to be their advocate there. We also answered the needs of the market about four years ago with our F50 division, which is all about our clients who now want to get paid for what they know, not so much for what they do. They want to learn how to scale. They want to learn the CEO mentality. And of course, those mastermind meetings meet three times a year. So excited about that. And then, of course, never is it not needed that we have our financial services division, right? Money management and transition programs and retirement programs and anything to do with financial freedom for our doctors and their teams. That continues to thrive as well. And then, of course, I think what is also very apropos is our position and our stance that we are taking as the industry leader for the preservation of private practitioner dentistry in this country. And so about 18 months ago, our sister company was launched, True Blue Dental Management, which is a complete platform to level the playing field for all of our private practitioner clients around the country. Absolutely. And so True Blue is really an answer to what the sort of the tectonic shifts that are going on in our industry. I love the, the idea of True Blue, and we, we've already got a whole bunch of our clients on there. Talk to us a little bit, Bernie, about what you're seeing in the industry and what this is really an answer to. I know that most people know that DSOs have become more prevalent, but what are you seeing kind of boots on the ground? Well, yeah, that's a great segue. And what True was, was a response to all of what's going on in dentistry today. So there's many, many tectonic shifts. First of all, I don't think it's, it's any mystery that private practitioners are under siege from corporate DSOs. And it's good to understand really the DNA behind those corporate DSOs. Uh, most of them are supported and backed or owned completely by either private equity or venture capital. And there's a pretty clear reason why. And that is, is that there's not a lot of investment areas where money managers can park large amounts of cash and be able to get 20% cash on cash return on an annual basis and leave that money in a tax deferred environment. So basically, it's, it, there's a little bit of the greed factor going on. Now, the other good news about dentistry that couples with that is that I see the next 10 years in this profession as being one of the greatest growth eras ever in the profession uh, for a lot of reasons. But one thing flat out, I think patient awareness is rising. I think the need for oral health, the understanding of the oral systemic link is bigger than ever. I mean, there was a very, probably the most comprehensive study ever was done, completed um, a couple of years ago between Columbia University and Aetna, the big healthcare company. 
And basically what they did is they took a look at the overall health care costs of 600,000 insured patients. Half of them were people who were compliant with, with dental care and getting cleanings two, three, four times a year and really taking care of their oral health. And the other 300,000 uh, are what kind of what we call part of the neglector class of our, of our nation, the people who don't go to a dentist unless it hurts, right? Here's what the overwhelming result was, was that if they looked at the following year's overall payouts on the healthcare side, the people that don't see a dentist on a regular basis, 4X of healthcare, 4X. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can make a major difference in the quality of life if we just got dentistry to flip from maybe one-third compliant patients to two-thirds. So that's happening. The other thing that is happening in dentistry is technology. Right. I mean, it's, it's better now. And I think the patients now understand that. They understand that when a doctor has a cone beam, when a doctor has a CEREC, when a doctor has a laser, that is a higher standard of care. So we're seeing that. The other thing that we're seeing clearly is we're seeing really what I, what I would say, there's been a lot made of this, the great resignation in our country, right? And that's not just dentistry, but dentistry has surely been affected by it. Right. And so you can look at, at, at different, different areas of the practice. I mean, let's start with, with hygiene. We know that uh, there is a major, major shortage of hygienists in this country. Why is that? Well, during COVID, a lot of the older senior hygienists decided they just weren't going to come back. It wasn't safe or they weren't comfortable or whatever their personal reasons were. But that was compounded with the fact that the dental hygiene schools were shut down, which shut off the pipeline for the young hygienists. So you just have a natural supply and demand issue. Now, what we're coaching our doctors today and our teams to do is you have to be resourceful. Just like anything else in any business, resourcefulness and mitigating situations. So how do you mitigate that situation? Well, I think you got a few ways to do it. One way to do it is you're going to see more and more young dentists doing days of hygiene. And there's nothing wrong with that. Even though I've, I've been a, a proponent for years and years that, look, we don't send dentists to dental school to clean teeth. The reality of it is is that if a, a young associate has a day or two a week of hygiene, they're supporting the team, but they're also diagnosing, probably in most cases, more than what the typical hygienist can diagnose because they get a better look at the lingual surfaces, things like that. So the agreement is, is that they're diagnosing their own restorative schedules for that week or weeks to come. So I think that is one solution. I think another solution is because there's the, the doctors are really challenged on paying. And we and also look, right now we're in, we're in a huge inflationary time in the country. I think uh inflation this year, 2021 or last year, 2021, mm -hmm. was about seven percent. Crazy. You know, now if you want to spin that like some of our politicians do, they'll say, well, that was gross domestic product, that was growth. But that's not the right kind of growth. We know that when you go to a supermarket and you buy a box of cereal for the same price, you're getting less cereal. And that's going on. Look at the price of gas. 
but it's also affecting our dental practices in supply costs, equipment costs, but also labor costs. So back to the hygienists, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see more and more hygienists being compensated on a percentage of their collectible production, very much like the associate doctors. And I think that's a way for them to add value. I think the good ones will love that program and uh, some will not, you know, but I think that's one way. And then the third way that our hygiene mastery division works with a lot is what we call assisted hygiene. And there's a big difference between assisted hygiene and accelerated hygiene. Accelerated hygiene scares people. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about assisted hygiene where we can really employ the skills of a qualified dental assistant along with a hygienist that can work out of two chairs. So I think there's ways to do that. I think on the dental assisting side, we just have to get at peace that we have to develop a new generation of dental assistants. We need to create them. Uh, And the doctors and teams are going to have to get at peace with training, training, training. So I think that is my, my biggest solution. And then on the front desk, there's also an interesting phenomena going on in our whole country. And that is more and more people are leaving the workforce, not because they don't want to work, not because they're lazy, not because they you know, don't need the money, but they don't like being employees employed in an eight to five brick and mortar situation. More and more of them want to be in business for themselves or independent contractors or be able to work virtual from home or whatever that is. It's a quality of life conversation too, right? So I think that the smart practices will take that and embrace that. How do you embrace it? Well, at the front desk, we all know that there are certain job descriptions that are require patient facing. In other words, checking patients in, treatment planning, things like that. But there's a lot of different parts of that front office that could be done virtually from home. If you've got employees who want to work in a different capacity, make their own hours. You know, more and more people want to be paid for the value they add for results they don't want to have a, 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 a glass ceiling on, on what they can earn, and they want to make their own hours, right? So things like insurance billing, ARs, insurance verifications, uh, recare, recalls, even remotely answering phones, that can all be done virtually. Now, virtually, hopefully, from some employees that just want to have that more freedom. But the other thing you're seeing more than ever is you're seeing virtual outsourcing. And there are companies who are doing a really, really good job with that, where their team of well-trained people will tap right into the practice software and and they'll do it. And and by the way, I think there's a double-edged win there because when we're offloading all those things at the front desk, now the people that are in the front desk are more present and this customer service can actually go up. So I think that you can turn anything into something positive there. So I think you're seeing that. And then, of course, there's there's the, again, as we said earlier, the siege of DSOs coming after, coming after private practitioners. And in some cases, really not in a good way. You know, there are, there are legitimate times when a doctor's at the end of their career where maybe they want to take the, the transition route of selling to a DSO for the best possible price. I mean, that's their God-given right. There's nothing wrong with that. The challenge is 
There's a lot of other, and I will call them schemes out there today, whereas private equity and larger groups are coming in, not to necessarily take that doctor out and retire them, but to pay maybe by 60% of the practice, enough to have control, and then have the dentist work back as almost indentured servants. And, and a lot of the money, the earn out money is, is tied to these things. And what the doctors need to realize is the minute that they do that, they've now lost a lot of the decision-making process in their practices, such as who their suppliers are, uh, sometimes even affecting the standard of care. And what Fortune has always believed is that the standard of care should always be determined by our dental practitioners, not by corporate America. So those are some of the things. And, and you know, here's the other thing. You've got insurance who is really at a precipice. Dental insurance, which we all know is a joke anyway. It's not dental insurance. It's a dental plan. It works completely opposite of major medical. Major medical, the sicker a patient gets, the more it covers. Dentistry is not like that. It's the less it covers. So I think that, again, there's solutions there. One is you're going to see more and more private practitioners dropping plans which is going to make it even tougher for some of these insurance companies. But I think that they can also mitigate with technology. You know, we did a survey of four sectors of, of the dental practice population, and that is private practitioners with technology. And I'm speaking specifically to Sarek and Combeam. So there's private practitioners with technology. There's DSOs with technology. There are private practitioners without technology and DSOs without. Of those four private practitioners who have fully integrated CEREC and other technologies into their practice are the most profitable, successful of the four. So what does that look like today? In modern dentistry, it means that if a practice is practicing super gingival dentistry whenever possible, it means that on a posterior virgin tooth, they can now, instead of doing full coverage crowns, instead of going below the gum line, instead of packing cord, dealing with blood, dealing with temporization, dealing with a lab fee, they can eliminate all of that. And if they're empowering their assistants to do the scanning, the designing, and the milling, we can have a higher quality restoration from start to finish in about an hour and a half, one visit, no second visit. That is a true savings and, and adds to the profitability. And if you've got practices that are still playing the PPO game, it's going to be their way forward. So those are some of the, the latest and greatest things that I see, Kim. Awesome, Bernie. You covered a lot of things here. Um, so, so for the practitioner that's listening, and maybe they're still a one a one person band. You know, they've got the one dentist and maybe one or two hygienists. What we're seeing then is that they need to be embracing technology, like you talked about, cone beam, CEREC, laser, etc. And taking a look at compensating maybe their hygienists differently, you know, looking at their team, they've got to look at their top line expenses and see how they can reduce some of those. Maybe they need to take a look at multiple doctors under one roof in order to pay for all these things. Well, that's, that's right. I mean, the other part to the transformation in private practitioner care is they must find a way to get into bigger facilities with multiple providers under one roof and multi-specialty as well. 
because one of the greatest gifts in business, in all of business, and it absolutely uh, holds true in dentistry, is the concept of economy of scale. Because when we can have two or three GPs and maybe some itinerant specialists, and we can have them working in an eight to 10 chair facility with technology, with a great team, with great culture and communication skills, that's really hard to beat. They can outperform any DSO if they've got that set up. Now, here's the antithesis of that, which is you're going to see as kind of a dying model is the four chair facility with one doctor working four days a week. It's just really hard to make the numbers work because the fixed costs are too high and they can't produce enough. Plus, that dentist is going to always trade time for dollars with their life. You know, there's not an entrepreneurial model there. And I think more and more dentists want to be more entrepreneurial. That's the beauty of dentistry. And I'll tell you, we have to support that because we don't want to see the dental profession go the way of medicine. You know, medicine has lost their, they've lost their profession, quite frankly. It happened 30 years ago. They lost it to the insurance industry, the hospitals, and big pharma. And dentists need to stay entrepreneurial minded, and they've got to think like business people. Yeah, it's that, it's that CEO mindset that we're always talking to our doctors about. Talk a little bit when you, you said earlier uh, in our conversation about top line expenses or above the line and, and below the line. Talk to us a little bit about how you want our doctors to see their profitability and how they should calculate that. Yeah, and th there's a new thinking out there. And basically, one of the, the reasons why we want them to think about profitability different is because more and more their asset, their practice, which for a lot of doctors is the biggest asset in their portfolio, their investment portfolio, we want them to now look at it, look much closer at EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Reason is, more and more, that's where the valuation methodology is going to go. So if you ask me currently today in this market post-COVID, um, we're talking if it's got good EBITDA, it can be five to six times multiple of EBITDA. You know, pre-COVID, we saw crazy numbers. We saw as much as eight to 10x, 12x of EBITDA. And I guess there's still some of those deals out there, but industry standard probably about six, as opposed to 75, 80% of top line collection. So how do, what's the first step? First step to any of this is awareness. It's getting the CPAs to start reporting the performance of these businesses properly. So what I would advise is we tell all of our doctors, get paid above the line as an expense, as a wet fingered dentist, based on uh, the amount of restorative dentistry you do. So you know, uh, and typically about 30% of, of collectible production after lab comes off the top. So if you've got a successful dentist that maybe is themselves doing a million dollars worth of restorative dentistry, I would want them to be paying themselves about $300,000 above the line. But what I also want is I want them to pursue EBITDA and the, the target there is 20 points more to EBITDA. So in other words, if you've got a $2 million practice with hygiene and the owner doctor is making 300 above the line, but they're also running a successful 
EBITDA of 20% to the bottom line, we now have an owner practitioner making about 700,000 a year. So that, that's really the goal to do, to do that. And, and it's, very, it's very doable. I mean, we're doing it all over the country. So for dentists who are listening to this and they're saying, oh man, that's a pipe dream, get a hold of Fortune. We'll, we'll, we'll analyze where you're at and we'll, we'll do something for you. And Bernie, if they sell out to that DSO at 60% and they retain 40%, that extra $400,000 really shrinks. That's what they're not always seeing. Well, absolutely. And, and again, it's not just that. It's not just the logical part of it with the numbers. It's the emotional thing. They've lost their baby. Yep. They, they now are, are kind of an indentured servant. Mm-hmm. Some of them may want to do that, but not a lot that I talk to. That's right. That's right. So that CEO mentality, we always talk about too, that we want them to maybe think like a DSO. So expanding hours, like you talked about a little bit, technology, obviously, um, making sure that they're making it easy for patients to come into the practice, having multiple specialties under one roof, all those things contribute that to that. And then of course, now with our True Blue offering, we've really got a whole suite of services that they can be a member of and take advantage of um, that is just kind of unheard of in our industry right now. We really are taking the lead on it. So it's very yeah, and, and the other thing too, as you know, hygiene is the lifeblood of a modern general dental practice. You have to have really good practice flow. And so if you're building a really good hygiene program and also marketing to new patients, you know, we've got some, some new things coming out on, on true blue that, as I said, not only are going to affect a lot of line item expenses uh, below, you know, on the, on the cost side, but also practice builders on things that are going to affect the SEO, things that are going to affect things like recurring revenue with plan for health. Um, and that platform is 99 bucks a month for the gateway to get all things possible that sit on that platform. So I hope that they will uh, inquire and get more information about True Blue. Perfect. We'll put the uh, True Blue Direct uh, website in the show notes. Um, anything else you want to, any other words of wisdom, Bernie, you want to shed on our, on our doctors listening today? Well, sure. I mean, the other thing is we can talk strategy, which is what we've just done here for about 30 minutes and sure. all the things you got to do. But at the end of the day, just remember, it can't be a transactional business. It's never been a transactional business for quality practitioners and quality practices. So it's got to be about the culture first. And it, for the doctors who are listening, that means always sharpening your saw on your leadership skills, your communication skills. It means making sure that you're building a team that is filled with partners, not employees. It's culture, culture, culture. And culture, then structure and strategy, right? Exactly. But, but you got to have the culture. And that's where Fortune excels. I mean, for 32 years now, we have made a, a conscious commitment, not only to be the most total immersion postgraduate program anywhere on the planet for a dentist, but also to make sure that everybody knows that when a doctor and their team come to Fortune, we're in the business of growing people first, then we grow the business. And I think that that never goes out of style. Um, our executive coaching programs always put that hat on first. And I think that's where it all starts. I mean, that's the glue that holds all the good decision making in place. 
Exactly. Because all the things we've talked about in this last 30 minutes, Bernie, it's about being flexible and it's about being open-minded, like you said, resourceful. And you can't be all those things if you're not being a great leader and you don't have a great team behind you. Well, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, uh, I would say that right now, it is a great time to be in dentistry. It's a great time, whether you're the dentist, the owner, or even if you, you know, are a professional in that, um, find a way to find your purpose out of this profession, which is why I went into it 32 years ago now, because it's so purposeful. Because if you do it right, it's about helping people. It's about getting them healthy. It's by being a part of our healthcare system and being paid better now than ever to do it. And don't be one of those those doctors or teams that is doom and gloom or even worse is reactive and sitting and complaining about it. Um, I'll leave you with a quote from Gandhi. I know that you're a big Gandhi fan, Kim. Um, And one of the greatest quotes he ever had was, be the change you seek in the world. And dentistry has that ability to do that. Um, if you don't like how it's going, get involved and, and get a hold of fortune. I mean, um, you know, the success stories that we've created over the last three decades plus, uh, I could not be more proud. So a pleasure to talk to you, Kim, today and keep doing all the great work you're doing. Thank you so much, Bernie. Thank you for spending some time with us and shedding some of your wisdom on all of our, you know, all of our clients and friends and fortune. Go out and be well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mahalo. Mahalo. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on fortune management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com. 